is uh, five verses from John chapter 10. We're going to look at the whole chapter, but this is just a a portion of it. And uh, these are the words of Jesus. Uh, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. That's actually you and me. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it back up again. This command I received from my father. Let's, let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you that um, in this world of uh, change, in this world of uncertainty, um, we have the truth of your word, and that we can build our lives on the, the promises of your word, the promise that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, Lord, the promise that you will provide for our every need. Lord, I, I thank you for um, the, the promises that we can um stand firm on in the midst of uh, a changing world. And Lord, I pray that as we uh, look into John 10 this morning, that we will uh, be listening to, to your voice and uh, be willing to follow uh, your, your voice and your word. Lord, thank you that you are our shepherd and that you have promised to shepherd us all the way home uh, someday. And we rest in that promise. And thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are about halfway through the Gospel of John. We're at John chapter 10. There's 21 chapters in uh, the Gospel of John, so uh, we're at the, the midway point. And uh, if you've been with us, we've been uh, taking about a chapter at a time, and we're going to look at uh, John chapter 10. And really one of the most familiar imageries, analogies, that's all through Scripture. And we read it this morning. It's the imagery of what? The shepherd and the sheep. That is, that is all through scripture from the Old Testament all the way to through the New Testament. This imagery of God is our shepherd and we're the sheep. Probably the most familiar uh, passage that talks about that in the Old Testament is Psalm 23. Written by a shepherd. David was a shepherd and he writes this most familiar psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. And he goes on to write that, that beautiful, beautiful psalm. But there's much more in, in the imagery of a shepherd and a sheep in the Old Testament. The prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah 53, 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And so it answers the question, well, why do we need a shepherd? We need a shepherd because we're all born with sinful hearts that is prone to wander and go our own way. And therefore we need the great shepherd uh, Jesus. Uh, Ezekiel 37 is a picture that the prophet Ezekiel writes about um, Israel being the sheep and uh, the Lord God being the shepherd. Ezekiel chapter 34, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look over my sheep. It's all through the Old Testament, but it's also all through the New Testament. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when Jesus sees the crowds, it says that he uh, sees them like sheep without a shepherd. 
When Jesus sends out his disciples into ministry, he says, I want you to go to the lost sheep of Israel. And then all through the New Testament, the titles of Jesus. Hebrews 13.20, he's called the great shepherd of the sheep. 1 Peter 2.25, he's the shepherd and overseer of our souls. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, he's called the chief shepherd. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, he writes to pastors. And uh, past, another word for a pastor is a, is a shepherd. The pastor is the under-shepherd. He writes to pastors, be shepherds of God's flock. And so this imagery is all through the the Bible of the the shepherd and the sheep. And in the New Testament, perhaps the most familiar extensive passage about the shepherd and the sheep is the one we're going to look at this morning. It's John chapter 10. John chapter 10. So in John chapter 10, Jesus makes two of the seven I am statements that are found in the Gospel of John. And you remember that uh, John's writing his uh, his gospel to uh, the very purpose is that people will know who Jesus is and and come to life in him. And he records seven miracles, eight if you include the resurrection that are there. But he also writes about seven I am statements where Jesus takes that phrase that is found in Exodus 3.14 when Moses says, well, who should I say it sent me? And God says to him, I am that I am. And Jesus comes along, that means I'm the self-existent one, and Jesus comes along and kind of fills in the blanks of that statement. John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 10, two I am statements. I am the door or the gate. He also says, I am the good shepherd. And then next week we'll discover John 11, I am what? The resurrection and the life. And then he goes on in, in uh, John 14 in the upper room discourse. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, John 15, I am the true vine. And so Jesus is making these I am uh, declarations, and we're going to look at uh, two of them this morning. But let's look at the context of, of John chapter 10 uh, before we jump into it. Because John chapter 10 is really a continuation of a discussion that Jesus had with the religious leaders, the Pharisees. And you remember from, uh, perhaps if you were here last week, we looked at John chapter 9. Remember, Jesus is walking the streets of Jerusalem. Uh, him and his disciples are still there because they've gone to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And there on the streets of Jerusalem is a man blind from birth. And the disciples ask Jesus a question. Well, well, who sinned? They're looking for a cause and effect. Why is this man blind? Did this man sin or did his parents sin? Jesus gave the answer. He said, neither one. But this has happened so that in this man's life, the works of God could be glorified. And then Jesus goes on and heals the blind man. And he receives his sight. It creates a controversy, though, because the passage tells us it was done on the Sabbath day. as many of Jesus' miracles were. And so that brought a confrontation between the Pharisees and they're trying to find out, well, who, who, um, how did you get healed? They asked the blind man, and who healed you? And, and it leads to a, a conversation and it ends in John chapter 9 with Jesus telling the religious leaders, well, this man can physically see, but you're spiritually blind. Well, this conversation in John 10 is a continuation of Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Um, John chapter 10, verse 1. Notice how it starts. 
Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. So he's, he's speaking to this uh, group of religious, Jewish religious leaders who really um, missed the whole purpose of Jesus. They missed that Jesus was the Messiah. They, they controlled people by legalism, rules, and regulations. They had 613 do's and don'ts that controlled every movement of your life. They were prideful. And so Jesus addresses the Pharisees, and notice how he starts. He says, very truly, or verily, verily, some translations say. Now, that phrase is used in the, in the Gospel of John 25 times. It's used over and over, Jesus to, to Nicodemus. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter my kingdom unless they're born again. John chapter 3, verse 5. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see God unless they're born of water and of the Spirit. Over and over again, Jesus uses these words, very truly. He's really saying, this is really important. I want you to listen I have truth that I want to share with you. And so Jesus goes on to share that truth, and it's the truth that we're going to discover, uh, a really a story, really a parable, that Jesus is the good shepherd. And uh, he's going to share truth all through John, John chapter 10. And as Jesus tells this story, the, the Pharisees don't understand it. Uh, we see in, in verse 6, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So uh, let's look at John chapter 10, and uh, we're, we're actually going to look at uh, three main characters in this story, in this parable, and it's the shepherd, it's the sheep, and it's the thieves and the robbers. And we're going to find out who they are, and then we're going to look at each, each of those uh, three uh, characters. So uh, let's look at the three main characters in the, the story, the parable that Jesus told. And here's the first one. The, the first one is the shepherd. And this one's easy to identify because Jesus says what? I am the good shepherd. He says that in verse 11, uh, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He repeats it in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. So the shepherd is Jesus. But the sheep are the next main category, and uh, we ask the question, well, well, who are the sheep? And the answer to that is that the sheep are the true followers of Jesus. Uh, the sheep are those that have, have put their faith in Jesus as their Messiah. Uh, they're, they're the true believers. They are the ones that in the New Testament, in uh, the book of Acts, will become to be known as Christians, uh, uh, disciples of Jesus were first called Christians in Antioch. That means a Christ follower. Those are the true sheep. And, and the sheep, as we know, in the, in the spread of the gospel, that it first came to uh, have a small group of Jewish believers, but then in the book of Acts and Pentecost, what the, it expanded to, um, to Gentiles. It expanded to, to, to people around the world. That the gospel isn't just for one specific group of, of race or ethnicity, but the gospel is for everyone. That's what Jesus means in verse 16 when he says, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. 
That's, that's the New Testament. Um, Galatians 3.20, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, uh, male or female. We're all what? One in, one in Christ. And so Jesus says, this is not just for, for the sheep of Israel, but the message of the gospel is for, for all of us. So um, that's the sheep. And then uh, the thieves and the robbers. Well, the thieves and the robbers are really the Pharisees. And the thieves and the robbers, as, as Jesus mentions, are all those who come before me are thieves and robbers, the false false teachers. Those that, that aren't um, proclaiming that Jesus is the way. Jesus identifies them as thieves and robbers. Now, there's one other word picture we need to grasp as we get into this, this text, and um, it's found in verse 1. Uh, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate. So Jesus mentions the sheep pen. And so all throughout Palestine and that agrarian culture, uh, you, you would see uh, sheep pens, usually made of stone, a stone wall with an opening that is the door or the gate. And uh, those sheep pens were built to what? Protect the sheep, especially at nighttime. So the shepherd, they would be out grazing in their fields during the day, but at nighttime for, for protection of the sheep, the shepherd would lead them into the sheep pen to protect them from uh, wild animals, thieves and robbers. And then oftentimes, and this is where this picture of when Jesus says, I am the door, I am the gate, oftentimes, the shepherd would lay down at night in front of that opening of the sheep pen. And he would sleep there to make sure that what nobody came in and none of the sheep got out to protect the sheep. So that's, the, that's kind of the word picture. And with that in mind, let's just read through uh, some of the, the text here. And we will, um, we will proceed through. Uh, the rest of the, the chapter here. So Jesus says, the one who enters, verse 2, by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will never run away from him because they do not but they will run away from him, excuse me, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Let's pick it up in verse 7. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. And have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Well, Let's look at uh, the characteristics of these three main characters uh, in, in the story and as Jesus describes them. And so we're going to look at first the thieves and the robbers. 
And uh, Jesus uh, characterizes their motive and what they're interested in. And it's, it's quite a contrast in, in John uh, chapter 10. Because Jesus says, I am come, verse 10, that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly or to the full or overflowing life. So Jesus presents himself as the, as the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep so that we can enjoy life, the abundant life, the overflowing life that Jesus offers us. The psalmist writes about this in, in Psalm 23. He says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And so um, we need to understand this morning that um, the gospel and eternal life is just not quantitative. But it's also qualitative. That Jesus wants us to, to embrace life and the fullness of life and to enjoy life and to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus offers and provides for us. Well, in contrast with that, he says the thieves and the robbers in John chapter 10 in the first part, the thief comes only what? To steal and kill and destroy. The shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. The thieves, the religious leaders have come what? To steal, kill, and destroy. To steal your joy. To, to, to really lead you down the wrong path. And that was the, the Pharisees' religious system. It was a, a, uh, oppressive system of what? Rules and regulations. They had 613 do's and don'ts that, that guided your life. And so when Jesus, in John chapter 9, uh, spits on the ground and makes mud and puts it on the blind man's eyes and heals him, all the Pharisees can see is what? Hey Jesus, you're working on the Sabbath. That's forbidden by our laws. They came to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus has come to give us life, abundant life. And I hope that's you're um, embracing the abundant life of, of Jesus. Well, it also hints that there's a, a battle for truth. And uh, that's the battle that's going on today because there's, there's uh, truth from God's Word, but there's also what? Um, false teachers that would lead people astray. Paul addressed it in his, his writing to the Galatians, and he says, if anybody preaches any other gospel than the true gospel, that salvation is by Christ alone, he says, let him be accursed, let him be condemned. Why? Because you're leading people astray. And so there's a battle to, to defend truth and to know the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In the book of Acts, when the Apostle Paul met the Ephesian elders for the very last time, and Paul had spent three years there teaching uh, and, and leading the, the Ephesian church, and he, they, they meet in a, in a um, mutual meeting point, and Paul knows this is the last time I'm going to see the leaders of the church at Ephesus. Here's one of the things that he tells them in his final charge. This is Acts um, 2028, keep watch over yourselves 
and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So Paul gives them a strong warning. Hey, be careful. There's going to be false teachers that are going to try to lead people astray. And so um, the the thieves and the robbers are described as people who come to, to steal and kill and destroy. Well, let's look at the characteristics of the sheep. There's three characteristics of the sheep, at least three in, in John chapter 10. And um, let's let's look at them. Here's the first one. That the sheep know the shepherd. The sheep know the shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And so here's the, the first truth that, that Jesus talks about in this relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. It's a personal relationship. It's an intimate relationship. When David wrote Psalm 23, he said, the Lord is what? My shepherd. And so there's a difference between knowing about somebody or knowing of somebody and knowing somebody personally. And Jesus says, my followers, my sheep know me. In fact, Paul writes about it in Philippians 3.10. He says, I want to know Christ. And when he says, I want to know Christ, he uses the Greek word epigenosis. He means, I want to really, really get to know who Jesus is. And so, the first characteristic of the sheep is that they know the shepherd. But secondly, Jesus says, the sheep not only know the shepherd, but they listen to the shepherd. They listen to the shepherd. Boy, in our world today, there are dozens of voices that are calling out to us and calling for our attention and pulling us in all sorts of different directions. And Jesus says, my sheep, listen to my voice. John 10, 3, the last part, says the gatekeeper opens the gate for them and the sheep listen to his voice. Last part of verse 4, the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. Go down to verse 27, Jesus says, my sheep, listen to my voice. And so characteristic number two of the sheep is that they listen to the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd. Philip Keller in his wonderful book, A Shepherd Looks at the Good Shepherd and His Sheep, based on John chapter 10, writes this about the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. The relationship which rapidly develops between a shepherd and the sheep under his care is dependent upon the shepherd's voice. Sheep quickly become accustomed to their shepherd's particular voice. They know its particular sounds and inflections. They can distinguish it from that of any other person's voice. If a stranger should come among them, they would not respond to his voice in the same way that they would to that of the shepherd. 
Isn't that interesting? That sheep identify and listen and can distinguish what the voice of the shepherd. And Jesus says, my, my sheep, my followers, they're listening and they're listening to my voice. But more importantly, and the third characteristic of the sheep is they not only know the shepherd, they not only listen to the shepherd, but they follow the shepherd. They follow the shepherd because they hear his voice and they, they know his voice and they, they trust the shepherd. Again, uh, verse 3, uh, the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him. The sheep follow him. Isn't it interesting that Jesus says he calls his own sheep by name? He calls his, he, he has a name for each of those sheep, and he, he calls each one by name. Isaiah chapter 49. Uh, the prophet Isaiah writes this about our relationship with, with God. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. God says, hey, I've got you. I've got you engraved on my hand. And I, and I know your name. This is a, this is a personal um, relationship with the shepherd. It's, it's interesting. Back, uh, what, maybe 20, 25 years ago when uh, this whole matter of uh, tattoos became very, very popular and uh, people getting getting tattoos, and I have nothing against people with tattoos. Uh, a lot of my family members have them, um, but uh, this is this is a verse I remember. Some of the, the teenagers and they're negotiating with their parents, and they want a tattoo. Well, well, see, God has a tattoo. It says our names are engraved on His palm, and uh, I don't know if that worked for them or not. I'm not exactly sure if that's a real tattoo, but it, it does say we're we're engraved in His hand, and it's a it's a word picture that. Um, he knows us, and it's an intimate knowledge. In fact, Tommy Walker wrote a, a hymn entitled, He Knows My Name. Listen to just a few of the words. I have a maker. He formed my heart. Before even time began, my life was in his hands. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls, and he hears me when I call. He knows my name. And so the shepherd knows us, and he calls us by name, and we're to listen to his voice, and he wants us to follow him. Well, let's look at the three characteristics then of the shepherd. The sheep know his voice, listen to his voice, and follow him. But here's the characteristics of the shepherd. And, and the first one, it's right in the text. The first one is that God is a good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. He repeats that twice. I am the good shepherd, verse 11. I am the good shepherd, verse 14. And so the first characteristic of the shepherd is that God is good. We have a little chorus that we sometimes sing that affirms that God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. And 
The shepherd is a good shepherd. Exodus 34, 6, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Overflowing in goodness and truth. And so this shepherd that, that wants to lead us is, is called the good shepherd. A.W. Pink in his book about the attributes of God writes this, the goodness of God speaks to the perfection of his nature. There is such an absolute perfection in God's nature and character and being that nothing is lacking or defective in it and nothing can be added to it to make it better. And what does that good shepherd do? Well, four times in John chapter 10, and Jesus is, is predicting what's going to happen about um, six months from when he spoke these words. He's going to what? Lay down his life for the sheep. He's going to go to the cross. The shepherd's going to shed his own blood for the sheep. But God is a good shepherd. Matthew chapter 7 and the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew seven eleven. Jesus says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? John 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from what? From above, from God the Father. And so this good shepherd has, has blessed us and wants to bless us in our life. He is a good, good shepherd. Well, there's a second characteristic of the, the shepherd, and it's that the shepherd provides and protects. The shepherd provides and protects. He's not only good, but he's a shepherd who wants to provide for us and protect us. Uh, perhaps Psalm 23 is, is appropriate to read here because it speaks to that point. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now that's one of the older translations, and I remember as a young boy growing up in the church, I didn't understand Psalm 23 because I always read it like, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Why does he say I don't want him? And uh, he's really talking about I, because God is my shepherd, I won't lack anything. He provides for my every need. And so the Lord is this good shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This good shepherd who who wants to provide and protect us, wants to lead us by the the cool waters and the still pastures. If there's ever a time in our, in our uh, culture where we need to experience the, the provision and the protection of the Good Shepherd, it's right now. I've seen so many news reports about um, anxiety and stress, especially in the lives of young people today, um, high schoolers that are uh, maybe tired of trying to do uh, schoolwork online, college students, and they've done the surveys, that their anxiety and stress levels that are an all-time high because of the pandemic, families that are uh, without employment, without a job, and uh, needing food, and their stress levels are high, and they're anxious. Jesus comes along and says, hey, I want to be your good shepherd. I want to make you lie down and rest in green pastures. Philip Keller in his, his book about sheep uh, from Psalm 23 says that, um, it's almost impossible for sheep to lay down unless four requirements are met. 
Number one, because of their timid nature, they refuse to lie down unless they are free from all fear. Number two, because of their social behavior within the flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others in the flock. Number three, only when sheep are free from uh, flies or parasites or other insects will they lie down. Number four, sheep will not lie down if they are hungry. They're going to they're gonna graze. Freedom from fear, tension, aggravation, and hunger. Jesus says, hey, I've come to give you peace and protection uh, so that you will be able to lie down. John 10.9 says, uh, I, they'll follow me and they'll go in and out and find pasture. I will give you sustenance, the good shepherd says. The good shepherd says he will, he will protect the sheep. As I, as I mentioned that, that picture of the Middle Eastern shepherd who's there at the sheep pen and the, the door, the gate is really just an opening and the shepherd then lies down and, and he sleeps there at night to protect his flock. Jesus is there. As the good shepherd, he's not only good, but he's there to provide and he's there to protect us. There are many other qualities of the shepherd. We'll just look at one more briefly. He's the, he's the sovereign shepherd. He's the sovereign savior. As Jesus describes four times, five times, he says, I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. And notice what he says, no one can take it from me. Talk about his life, verse 18. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. And so Jesus is what? The sovereign one. The cross, the crucifixion was not an accident. It wasn't some something that got out of control and God's up in heaven saying, uh-oh, what's, what's next? No, this was planned out from before time began. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. And as the good shepherd, I will willingly lay down my life for you. And I'm going to take it back up again. I am going to rise again. Well, there are many other characteristics of the shepherd. He's good. He provides and protects. And he's the sovereign one who will lay down his life and three days later will raise up again. Uh, for us. But let's look at the conclusion of, of the story in John chapter 10. And it concludes uh, this section in verses 19 through 21. And uh, here's the conclusion. It says, the Jews who heard these words were again divided. So here's all these people listening to Jesus and the Pharisees are there. and The Jews are there. And he's claiming to be the good shepherd. And it divides them. It's the third time in the Gospel of John that it says that the truth of Jesus divided the crowd. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to Him? There's there's the one uh, response. But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Referring back, what, to John chapter 9, where Jesus performed the miracle and healed the man born from, born blind from birth. And so there's this division between the people that hear Jesus. Just like today, Jesus divides people. 
There's no neutral ground when it comes to Jesus. You either you either believe he is who he claimed to be, or as Jesus said to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, um, you belong to your father the devil. And he's the father of lies, and he's deceived you. And you haven't embraced the truth. Well, that's the first part of John chapter 10. This morning, just in the next uh, five minutes or so as we wrap this up, Let's just think about some questions to consider from, from John chapter 10 and this wonderful parable story of the good shepherd. Here's the first one. Have I entered through the door or through the gate? That's really the, the central question of why Jesus came. Have I entered through the door, through the gate, or to put another way, do I know the shepherd? Do I know him personally? Notice what Jesus says in John 10, 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus is very clear. I am the gate. I am the door. And you have to enter through me. You're not saved through the church. No church can save you. You're not saved through good works or good deeds. We're not saved by baptism. We're not saved by our race or our ethnicity. It is only through what Jesus is through me. And so in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 4, 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven Given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only way. Have you put your faith in Jesus? The door, the entrance, the gate to eternal life. There's an old children's song. I haven't heard it for years. haven't even thought about it for years. And I was reading John chapter 10 about Jesus being the gate. It kind of came back to my mind. and used to sing it growing up in church. And it goes like this. Um, one door and only one, and yet its sides are two. I'm on the inside. On which side are you? And we're either in the fold, in the gate, or we're outside the gate, and Jesus is the only way. Second question to consider. Am I listening to the voice of the shepherd? As I mentioned earlier, there are so many voices and opinions and in our uh, multimedia culture that is calling out for us to follow them and for our attention. Am I listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd? Now God speaks to us in two main ways. There's something called general revelation. That's, uh, that's um, creation. Get up in the morning, and and I've seen many of these pictures uh, on social media. You see that beautiful sunrise, and you take that picture and post it. And uh, Psalm nineteen one says, "What the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork." It's it's it speaks that there's a Creator, and God speaks to us through the skies. But God also has spoken to us through His Son, Hebrews twelve one and two. In these last days, God has spoken to us. By his son. And he also speaks to us through the scriptures. 
So when we say, are we listening to the voice of the shepherd, I highly doubt, although it could happen, whether God's going to audibly speak to you at some point in your life, but he has written you an entire book, 66 books, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it is a very voice of God. One of the main reasons I hope that you're here today, yes, perhaps to encourage uh, each other to worship God, but I hope you're here today to hear the voice of God. Hundreds of times it says in the Scripture, what? Thus saith the Lord. Revelation 2 and 3, the, the seven letters of the seven churches, it's a phrase that's in there seven times. He that has ears to hear, what? Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I guarantee you that um, God has spoken. God is speaking. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening to the voice of God in our life? And oftentimes I find that uh, a lot of times in the busyness of life, in our own desire to self-direct our lives, um, God's speaking, but oftentimes we're not listening. And so sometimes what God allows to happen is God allows pain and difficulty in our life. Why? He wants to get our attention. For so many people, they, they kind of go on with life and, and, and everything seems to be good and okay, but oftentimes God allows something to happen in their life, well, not to punish them, not to hurt them, but He wants to say, hey, I need your attention, please. I need you to listen to me. Psalm 119.67, the psalmist says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before pain came into my life, I'm kind of doing my own thing. But then he says in the last part of the verse, But now I obey your word. Oh, oh. Why is it like that? Well, I'm speaking to my, for myself and to myself and probably for most of us because we're stubborn people. And oftentimes it takes something hard and difficult in our life for God to get our attention. By the way, he called us sheep, right? The sheep are pretty stubborn. <laughs> and so, uh, am I listening to the voice of the shepherd? Lastly, the third question to consider is this. Uh, is my life self-directed or am I following the good shepherd? So it's not just... Not just, hey, are you listening? But uh, the text says in, in John chapter 10, what the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and what? And they follow him. And so uh, the, the key question is, uh, am I listening? That's the first part. But more so, am I following the good shepherd Jesus? You see, James says in James chapter 1, when he writes about uh, uh, the Scriptures and God's truth, James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Do not merely listen to the Word. Don't merely listen to the Good Shepherd. And so deceive yourselves. What? Do what it says. Verse 25, Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, they will be blessed in what they do. And so the third thought here is just not, are we just not listening? Are we, are we listening? Yes, but are we following God's direction 
in our life. And the good shepherd wants to lead us. He wants to lead us by those still quiet waters. He wants to lead us by those uh, pastures. He wants to lead and guide and direct your life. And the, the good the good promise that's found in Scripture is that he's going to lead us all the way to the end. He'll lead us all the way through until we are someday with him. And that's the call of Jesus, isn't it? When he calls disciples, what did he say? He didn't say follow the church. He said follow what? Follow me. I want you to follow me. And so we have all sorts of hymns about following Jesus, don't we? I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. All the way my Savior leads me. Jesus led me all the way. And as we live our lives, as we listen to his voice, as we follow him, God will lead us and he'll lead us all the way home. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that in this um, culture and world in which we live, when we have so many things that are vying for our time and our attention, and we live in a in a world of communication and all sorts of media coming at us, Lord, I pray that we would give priority to listening to the Good Shepherd. Lord, I pray that we will develop that relationship with you where we will know your voice, that we will recognize your voice even in all the voices that are rolling around in our minds and heads, and that we will follow your voice. And Lord, thank you that we can trust you. You're a good shepherd. You're the good shepherd that what gave your life for us. And so we pray that we would uh, commit again to listening to your voice, to reading your word, and to following you. And Lord, we thank you for how you've promised to guide us and protect us and lead us. Give us the wisdom and discernment and the courage to follow and obey. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.